All right, it is 1130. 85 degrees out. It's time for your midday roundtable. I've got Jason Jorgensen with me for sports. Dave Schroeder's in here for business. And uh, we got Susan also. So uh, we're going to hear from everybody and uh, find out what's going on today. Here's Susan. Thanks so much, Ellen. Here is what is happening on a midday today from the farm team. We're going to kick off the angler journey once again at 1219. And Alex, who is at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association meeting, will be catching up with Carrie Beckel. We'll find out more details on that at 1245. And then at 117, I'll speak with Steve Martin with AFAN as we talk about value-added agriculture in Nebraska. That's a midday from the farm team. All right. Thanks, Susan. Well, Jason, it's your turn. We've got a lot of stuff going on. we got Huskers. we got an exciting game tonight. We do. We'll uh, talk some Husker football, and we'll hear from one of Nebraska's young backs, Gabe Irvin. Apparently, he's made a move here in fall camp. Uh, he also had a decent spring. Had a 60-yard touchdown run in their scrimmage that they wow. had on Sunday, and they're looking for a guy. And he he might end up being the guy eventually, but uh, you'll enjoy what he has to say about coming in with an attitude into camp that he's not a freshman. He's here to play and get some snaps. Very good. Says he's ready to be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so you got you got to like that. Mm-hmm. Also, I know you two can uh, talk about this as well. But it finally happens tonight, Dyersville, Iowa, little tiny town of about four thousand people. That's where the Field of Dreams, some of that uh, was set. Finally, that Major League Baseball game happens tonight between the White Sox and the Yankees. Some Great. Eight, Very cool. some eight thousand fans will be there. Now I did not know this. Now they had that stadium where the two teams will play. They had that built. Mm-hmm. Then COVID hit, so they couldn't play it. Oh. So, they, so they tore it down, and then they rebuilt it again. Okay. I figured they just left it there. Right. But no, they, <laughs> Major League Baseball has sunk a lot of money into this. Wow. The field of dreams, dream carries on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I think there's rumors that Kevin Costner will be there tonight. I would hope I he would wondering. be. Yeah. <laughs> Now, James Earl Jones is a little long in the tooth. He's in his 90s now, so I don't expect to see him. But you got to think some of the cast of the movie is there tonight. That would be yeah. cool. Uh, it, nice. it, it would be cool. And Do they walk out of the field in their irrigation boots? Uh, no irrigating in <laughs> Iowa, Dave. Okay. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, when they initially gave these away, these tickets... There was a lottery, and you had to have an Iowa zip code. Okay. And then they started with that, and the cheapest resale tickets available on StubHub have been around $1,000. Some of the wow. prime seats still have asking prices up to 10000 This This will be an event tonight. That's nuts. And for all of us who can't be there but who love the movie, uh, we can watch it on Fox. Good. Very good. Ellen, you've seen, I know it's a little before your well, time. Have you seen Field I of Dreams? Well, I way to have. Go. <laughs> like you'd say, way to be a great American. That's right. You are a great American, Ellen. You've, you've seen Field of Dreams. <laughs> All right. Well, Dave, what do you got for business? Well, stocks are off a little bit. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrials uh, down 102 points. The NASDAQ up 29, and the Standard & Poor's up uh, one point. They're saying that stocks are opening slightly lower because weakness in chip makers and other tech companies offsetting gains in other sectors, including healthcare. All right, very good. Thank you guys for joining me on Roundtable today. It's our pleasure. Anna, thanks. All right, time for your ag weather. Paul Perkins is with me. Paul, how's it going? 
Well, we're going to have one more warm day here one before more. a nice cool down. <laughs> Tomorrow and Saturday looking very nice with some highs for many of us in the low to mid-80s. A little more towards seasonal as we head towards uh, Sunday and into mm-hmm. next week. And also the chances for some promising rain chances by the middle of next week. Well, hey, that's all right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You betcha. Right now, a little bit of the, a break from the heat in many areas. Uh, temperatures, for the most part, in Nebraska, at least in the west and central areas, in the upper 70s to the low 80s. We do have some mid and upper 80s on into much of eastern Nebraska and also northern Kansas. Right along I-70, though, those temperatures close to the low 90s, all the way from western Kansas around the Oakley area, up to 92 at Russell, 91 in Salina. And also some temperatures a little more comfortable into the Nebraska Panhandle. Many of the areas of the Nebraska Panhandle in the low to mid-70s. That humidity basically centered towards eastern Nebraska and much of northern Kansas. Basically, I guess you could say actually uh, much of central and east Nebraska to northern Kansas with dew points right now in the upper 60s to the low 70s. And we do have some heat index ratings as high as 97 in the southeast part of Nebraska at Fairbury. Otherwise, many of us with temperatures are feels like ratings in the upper 80s to the low 90s. And of a cold front today going to be sunny. Temperatures once again slightly warmer than average for one more day. A cold front to focus for some scattered thunderstorms late today through tonight, especially to the south of I-80 on into northern Kansas. A few of those storms could go strong to severe, including along and southeast of a line from Lincoln to Hastings and Norton, where the Storm Prediction Center does place a low-end marginal risk of severe storms, not looking at anything widespread for big-time severe activity. In behind that front, temperatures drop to slightly Slightly below normal for tomorrow and Saturday. A few more thunderstorms are possible by tomorrow night. The better chances to the southwest. Slight chances for thunderstorms will linger into Saturday and Saturday night with some weak disturbances dropping to the southeast. Our temperatures warming back to more seasonal levels for Sunday into Wednesday. Forecast bundles, though, are indicating a significant area of low pressure moving in by Wednesday. If this verifies, we could end up with a good chance of some thunderstorms, so something to watch there for some promising rain chances, but still a lot of details to work out. In the long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through August 25th. In the positive, though, for those rain chances, rainfall mostly above normal Tuesday through August 25th in Nebraska and Kansas. The added rain chances needed when we check our latest results from the regional drop monitor. Nebraska dropped 7 percentage points to 18% drop free. No dryness concerns continue in basically a triangle-shaped area from Kearney down to Cambridge, eastward over to Red Cloud, and in much of the eastern part of Nebraska. Most dry areas of central and west-central Nebraska are abnormally dry. Moderate to severe drought areas include much of southwest Nebraska, Merrickin to Nance County, from York down to February, from Bartlett to Taylor on up to Holt County, and in the Panhandle, Boyd County in north-central Nebraska is in extreme drought. Kansas dropped the percentage point to 62% drought-free. Much of central Kansas abnormally dry to a moderate drought, including areas from Smith Center to Marysville, southward to about Ashland and Wellington, much of northwest Kansas in moderate to extreme drought. Key weather factors affecting the markets include one more front keeping the rain across the Corn Belt, along with the continued heat and dryness in key areas of southwest Russia. In the Midwest, thunderstorms will continue through tomorrow before they push to the south. Many Midwest droughts areas. 
<laughs> no, you're good. Sorry. Okay. Uh, many Midwest drought areas saw some good rainfall this week. Northwest areas of the Midwest remain largely in drought, which is stressing the filling corn and soybeans. In the Southern Plains, rain the next several days should keep the yields good for corn and soybeans, and more rain is expected next week. The Northern Plains expecting periods of scattered rain next week, with at least one good chance to benefit the filling crops. In the Black Sea region, showers in eastern Ukraine and northwest Russia may finally bring some isolated rain to the dry Volga Valley of Russia this weekend. The recent high temperatures and lack of rain stressing the spring wheat and corn likely leading to reductions in productivity. All right. Thanks, Paul. Where can listeners find more info? Weather page, krvn.com. All right. Thanks, Paul. On Facebook. The Angler Entrepreneurship Journey, celebrating success, embracing failure, and inspiring the entrepreneur inside of you. Success is not permanent, neither is failure. You probably know that voice by now. That's Dr. Tom Field, director of the Angler Program. Now, Tom didn't work his way up to the director position without having some entrepreneurial experiences behind him. Tom said, though, that his failures helped him succeed. Yeah, the failures, I mean, I'm a... I've really thought sometimes that would be a that would be a useful thing to do for my children would be to write about you know the failures. Mm-hmm. I tried some things that didn't work from a business perspective, you know, and and not no mega failures, nothing where you went like wow, it's going to take us thirty years to dig out of this mess. But there were failures, and I, you know, I think there were times when I push too hard in the family business mm. for things that I wanted and I learned that if you really want people to be on board with you they have to share in the vision. So I learned a lot from that. You know, I early in my career I got I was very career focused. I mean, very very career focused. And I hadn't really learned how to how to effectively turn on and off the professional switch. But you know, my Probably my ambition, my work ethic, and my probably workaholism contributed to a failed marriage, right? Which was mm. not something I would recommend. But that was a massive failure. Of all the things in my life, that is the failure. And it's the one that I learned a lot from. Tom said, though, that he didn't let those failures deter him from becoming a better businessman and ultimately a better person. Success is not permanent neither is failure and that's a that's a powerful thing right because we're all going to mess up and so when we're successful we need to be thoughtful and recognize look just because you have a couple of wins doesn't mean the next one is going to be a win and i don't think you have to get caught in that sort of like being afraid of your own success or afraid of your own failure because i think those are not helpful but i think you become more and more cognizant over time that 90% 90% plus of the successes I've had are because there were the right people around me and they're shared, every bit of it. And most of the failures really were because I failed to, to manage myself. And Tom gives an example of how he pairs community with the idea that neither success nor failure is permanent in his own entrepreneurial ventures with his family ranch back in his home state of Colorado. We had people who were hired at the ranch after my dad passed away unexpectedly we really didn't want to hurt those people they'd been loyal to to the business and and so we made the decision to keep the business going partly because we 
wanted to employ the people who were working for us. Mm -hmm. And we felt an obligation to that because they'd been loyal to us. That's probably been the the most entrepreneurial thing is to work with two brothers. None of us are on the ranch full time, but we, you know, only an idiot would use their vacation time to go, you know, irrigate hay and brand calves and do things like that. But that's what we do. And we each have our, our role and... And so I, we learned to also to let go. Part of entrepreneurship is you know, if you're going to run a company, sooner or later you have to let go of some things. Mm-hmm. So like I don't ever wake up in the morning and go, oh, geez, I wonder what's happening today. We have the right people there. They've, they've got it, right? And if they need me, I know they're going to call me. That again is Tom Field, director of the Angler Program. And you can learn more about the Angler Agribusiness Entrepreneurship Program at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln at angler.unl.edu. It's time for sports. Here's Jason Jorgensen. Well, one of the Huskers who's looking to make his mark this fall is running back Gabe Irvin. Freshman from Buford, Georgia, had a solid spring, and he says he came to play this fall for the Big Red. Well, that's what you have to think. You know, I came here thinking that I'm, I'm going to be the dog, you know, I want to be the dog, you know. I just got to have that dog mentality that I'm going to get the job done. Older guys, you know, they've been here longer than me, so I always lean over to them, you know, when I have a question. Just like um, pouring, they poured into me, and I just learn from them each and every day, and that just builds up my game. Irvin also had a 60-yard touchdown run in Sunday scrimmage. He had more than two dozen scholarship offers coming out of high school, choosing Nebraska over the likes of Arizona State, Duke, Georgia, and Michigan State. He was also ranked among the top 25 backs in the nation by Rivals.com. The Huskers worked out again this morning. Kansas State continues to get ready for the upcoming season. For most of the last month, conference realignment talk has been the big story after Texas and Oklahoma announced they were bolting for the SEC. Head coach Chris Kleiman is confident the Wildcats will be in a good spot when the dust finally settles. Kansas State's still going to play football, and we're still going to play Power 5 football, and we're going to have a great schedule, and I'll let the people uh, that are above me figure out how that's all going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen very quickly. Um, I think this is something that all of us in, in the profession as coaches saw coming probably three years ago, even five years ago I saw it coming, uh, that... There's going to be some drastic changes in the landscape of college football over the next three to five years, but it doesn't happen overnight. The Wildcats, who went four and six last year, will open up the season on September 11th at home against Southern Illinois. The Nebraska women's basketball team plans to welcome fans back to Pinnacle Bank Arena with an eight-game regular season home non-conference schedule. Nebraska's home non-conference schedule features battles with Creighton, Drake, Indiana State, Maine, and Wyoming. Now, the Huskers will have a big non-conference road game as part of the Big Ten ACC Challenge when they travel to Wake Forest. Nebraska also will pair up Thanksgiving. Will play a pair of Thanksgiving tournament games in San Diego. Now, their first matchup of the year is on November 1st, as they will have an exhibition game with Midland. The season starts for real on November 9th, as they will host Maine. Finally happens tonight. Major League Baseball is preparing for its first game in the state of Iowa as the Chicago White Sox and New York Yankees will play in Little Dyersville, Iowa, the site used in the 1989 movie Field of Dreams. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason. Trends.org. Nebraska's biggest health care systems will require all of their employees to be vaccinated for COVID. The company's issued a joint statement this morning saying the move comes as a virus cases continues to surge in the state. 
The announcement includes CHI Health, Nebraska Medicine, Bryan Health, Children's Hospital, among others. The move from the large employers may provide a boost to the state's vaccination campaign, as state officials say that around 50% of all Nebraskans have been fully vaccinated, but the pace of vaccinations has slowed since the spring. Overton Public Schools will be having a farm-to-school kickoff event this Friday at uh, 5 to 7 p.m. at the school. Julie Loudon of the Overton uh, Ag Program gives an overview of the event. Farm to School program, our kickoff is part of a three-goal process we have with our Farm to School Institute. One is a community goal, one is a classroom goal, and one is a cafeteria goal. And so this community goal is really just to invite community members to learn more about what the Farm to School program is. And we do this with free food. Food brings everybody to the table. That's what this is all about. So we just really encourage everybody to come over. Um, we're going to have different farmers market vendors, so you can come see some of your favorite farmers market vendors. Loudon adds that they will have different commodity organization vendors as well as a student group that will be attending to talk about beef quality. The event will include a burger feed and everyone in the surrounding area of Overton is welcome. Hunters may begin donating deer to the Hunters Helping the Hungry program on September 1st, the start of the archery deer season. Nine processors will be available around the state. Two additional processors will accept deer for the program starting November 13th. Hunters pay no processing costs for deer accepted by processors for the donation-driven program. The Helping the Hunters program is funded solely by tax-deductible donations. The Taliban has captured Afghanistan's third largest city and a strategic provincial capital near Kabul. The latest advance further squeezes the company's embattled government just weeks before the end of the American military mission there. The seizure of Herat marks the biggest prize yet for the Taliban. The insurgents now have taken 11 of Afghanistan's 34 provincial capitals as part of a week-long blitz. The capture of Ghazini, meanwhile, cuts off a crucial highway linking the Afghan capital with the country's southern provinces. The insurgent push comes some 20 years after U.S. and NATO troops invaded and ousted the Taliban government. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. She has ties in the Nebraska beef industry, and she'll be singing the national anthem at the NCBA convention and Grand Ole Opry later this week. Music at a cattleman's convention, that is right up my alley. And if her name sounds familiar, it's because she was announced the winner of the 2021 NCBA National Anthem Contest. Carrie Belke, who owns a ranch with her husband near Binkelman, Nebraska, gets the opportunity this week to combine her two favorite things, beef cattle and music. Carrie is originally from Ohio and now lives in Alberta, Canada. I grew up with beef cattle. Um, I grew up on a small farm in Ohio. My family raised purebred Charlotte cattle. And we showed cattle all over the USA. In Ohio, the trick is that, you know, it's it's so landlocked and there's so much urban sprawl. There's not a lot of massive land for large ranches. I always grew up wanting to go out west, quote, out west, right? That was every little western kid, farm kid's idea of cool. But my parents had a small farm and they both worked in town, but they wanted to raise their kids on a farm. So the way that they could do that was show cattle. And so, yeah, we, that was what our family did. We showed cattle and, um, yeah, 
also had a little bit of chickens, pigs, and sheep, but our <laughs> the cattle were our thing. So fast forward, Carrie, along with her husband and two daughters, split their time between the family ranch in Binkelman, where they raise cattle and corn, and High River, Alberta, Canada, where her husband is a feedlot veterinarian. She said the whole family is fully immersed in the beef industry. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a veterinarian, and so it's tricky when, when neighbors say, like, can he, can he check out our dog? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you need to see a, quote, real vet. He is, and he's so specialized, like, he doesn't even really do much cow-calf work. He does, he'll do a little bit of preg checking. His dad and his brother raise cows, and so maybe he'll do a little bit of preg checking or something. But um, he's so, he's just feedlot medicine, feedlot health. Um, so, yeah, he's fully immersed in the beef industry. I have less immersion now as I just spend most of my time as a taxi driver for her children but yeah they're they're uh they're in, involved in rodeo they're doing little junior rodeos and stuff so i'm sort of hauling hauling horses more than anything else now but yeah and it means a lot to us i mean growing up in the beef industry we were active in 4-h and ffa i was active in the in ohio cattlemen's I, I was an intern for the oca and i was the queen for the ohio, ohio beef industry and um we are not in our daily lives raising cattle in canada and i don't we're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. Like uh, the 4-H system in Canada is not the same. It's not as well developed as like what your county 4-H system would be here in in the U.S. So, um, like raising 4-H steers, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I don't. I don't know how we're going to do that with our girls. Hmm. But um, but yeah, I always want to at least have a foot in the beef industry because it meant so much to me growing up. It's sort of part of my identity. And it's safe to say that Carrie loves music just as much as she loves the beef industry. So when the National Cattlemen's Beef Association announced they were accepting entries for a national anthem singer, it was a no-brainer for her to submit her audition. But I'm not a trained vocalist. I am just, I'm a heck of a campfire singer. I'm a karaoke lover. I, I'm not a proper singer. Um, I, I grew up studying classical piano and playing the trumpet, actually. And um, I was very interested in music, toyed with the idea of pursuing a musical career. But I could not get, I, I could not leave my agricultural roots. Music has always been really important to me. My dad sang and sings bass in a gospel quartet. My mom leads the ukulele group at our church. Um, it's just always been a part of our lives. So when Eric saw the announcement that said, they're having a national anthem. He had never really paid attention before. Like, I I never, I didn't realize that this was a thing. And he saw the announcement, you know, for the contest for the national. He said, you should try out for this. And so, yeah, I was like, yes. That music at a cattleman's convention. That is right up my alley. And it was, it was, if it had been evaluated by, you know, expert musicians, I'm not sure that I would have. <laughs> but it was, it was all done sort of out of love. The NCBA National Anthem Contest is sponsored by Norbrook, which means that Carrie gets the opportunity to spend time at the Norbrook booth at the NCBA trade show. And here's what she said she's most excited for. I always love the trade show because I always love to see what new technologies are out there, what new products are being promoted, what new practices and procedures have come around, um, not, and not to mention shop for good deals. So yeah, it's yeah, that trade show. It's nothing to scoff at. That's a really nice trade show. But I've got all sorts of, they've got me a, a schedule. I've I'm putting time in at the Norbrook um, booth, like some meet and greet time. They're the sponsor of this of this competition, and they um, made it possible for me to come. And they bought my outfit. So the thing I'm most excited about is that Thursday night I get to sing in the Cowboy event at the Grand Ole Opry, and I am a major lover of classic country music. I don't believe really in listen to a lot of modern music. I don't know. I'm just an old soul. And um, the, the history of, of Nashville and, and the history of the Grand Ole Opry and 
I just, yeah, I know, I know. One of my friends said, is this a dream come true for you? And I was like, honestly, this is more than a, I, n I never let myself dream of singing at the, this is the only way I would have ever been able to do it. Like a, a very, this is a very specified route <laughs> to get there. But, but um, no, I never would have even dreamed of singing at the opera. That's not at all in league with my life, how I would have seen my life going. So yeah, I'm very, very excited. And there's going to be all sorts of great entertainers that night at the Opry. Crystal Gale and Mark Wills and Ricky Skaggs. Oh, I love bluegrass music. Ricky Skaggs. And, and then several other newcomers that I'm familiar with or not familiar with, but I'm excited to see. So, yeah. I love like, I love these meetings every year. Last year was in San Antonio, the year before New Orleans. I always have a great time. But these meetings in Nashville is just amazing. That again is Carrie Belke, who owns a ranch with her husband near Binkleman, Nebraska, and she was named the winner of the 2021 NCBA National Anthem Contest. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from the 2021 Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show in Nashville, Tennessee. Stocks were wobbling between small gains and losses as gains by big technology companies countered weaknesses in other sectors, including the industrial companies. Investors are working through a mixed picture of economic data. The Labor Department said that the jobless claims fell from the previous week, another sign that the job market is healing from the pandemic. However, a report on inflation showed prices rose quickly last month, giving investors another reason to be worried. Earnings season is winding down. Companies that will report the results later today include Walt Disney, Airbnb, and DoorDash. Mortgage rates rose this week for the first time after six weeks of declines amid signs of strong economic recovery. Average rates for homes remained historically low, however, at under 3%. Purdue Pharma's quest to settle thousands of lawsuits over OxyContin's toll is entering its final phase with the grudging acceptance of most of those who have claims against the company. A confirmation hearing is getting underway in U.S. bankruptcy court for a deal that removes control of the company from members of the wealthy Sackler family and requires them to contribute $4.5 billion to opioid abatement. The Colorado River has been seen as a go-to source of water for cities, tribes, and farmers in the U.S. West for decades. But climate change, drought, and increased demand are taking a toll. Next week, the Bureau of Reclamation is expected to declare the first-ever mandatory cuts from the river for 2022 as key reservoirs fall to historic lows. The projection will hit farmers in central Arizona the hardest because of long-standing priority systems. And Penal County is Arizona's top producer of cotton, barley, and livestock. Farmers there have been finding ways to use water more efficiently, but increasingly will turn to pumping groundwater. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. <laughs> Miss anything from Midday on KRVN? Well, don't worry. Subscribe to the KRVN Midday Podcast on iTunes, Android, or the TuneIn app for a recap in ag weather, ag news, sports, business, exclusive interviews, and the current local news. Subscribe and download the free KRVN Midday Podcast now.
finding ways to promote value-added agriculture. I am Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. That was an opportunity during some roundtable discussions during the Governor's Ag and Economic Summit that took place last week in Kearney. They've had a variety of different breakout sessions during the event, and, and one of the breakout sessions has been talking about value-added, and I think a great opportunity for, for young and old producers alike. And, and Steve Martin joins us. He is with AFAN. And let's talk about your role on, the, on this panel. What were some of the things that you brought to those in attendance? You know, we're talking about sort of more of the traditional value-add, which is livestock. I mean, that's a, the greatest way to add value to feedstuffs is to feed it through livestock. And have them convert it from corn and soybeans into delicious meat. Um, but we also talked a lot about, you know, where does that go up from there? From there, And that is into the communities. And, and we're adding quality of life because you create dollars, you create uh, economic activity, and it makes or helps towns grow. And that's the most important thing is once you see that expansion taking place with a livestock operation, you know that there's going to be people in their building, so they're going to be going to town to eat at the cafe, um, maybe even staying in a local hotel. But just from there and on, the impact and the footprint that leaves on the community. It's tremendous. Yeah, the, the livestock industry, if you think about it, is the center of a, of a wheel, you know, and all the spokes radiating, radiating out, all the people that touch livestock. But then you get to that outer hub, and it is all those small town businesses and uh, the cafe, the you know, the coffee shop, the boutique that, that opens up. Um, those things that we enjoy because they're nice to go into and nice to support local businesses. And so it's all those things that, that really gets this going and it makes rural Nebraska a great place to be. Where have you seen, I mean, we know the poultry industry continues to expand here in the state. Are we seeing a boom in any other areas? Um, we see some continued growth in pork production. Um, so we've added some uh, finishing barns this last year. Um, we st- we're seeing quite a bit of interest in confined cattle operations, which would be either bed pack barns or deep pits. And it's just the idea, same idea with all the other livestock, is that you move them into a place where you control the climate, they're more comfortable, the rate of gain goes up, their health goes up. Um, and hopefully you're more profitable because you're raising uh, something that is easier to raise. What about dairy? I know that has been always a bucket list for the state of Nebraska to bring more dairies in. Where are we at in that regard? We continue to work on um, recruiting processing. That's that's really our stumbling block. We've got a lot of dairies in the state that want to expand. Uh, We also have a lot of dairies from outside of the state that would love to be in Nebraska, uh, but we don't have anywhere to go with the milk today. We're working on a few large and small um, projects that, you know, if we can take some local dairy milks and convert that into a product for consumers and maybe take that off the market, um, we could create some space for additional dairy. For a producer out there or somebody who's thinking about wanting to come back to the farm and do some expansion, Steve, what's the best way to maybe start having that conversation with AFAN so they know that all their boxes are being checked when they're doing it? Sure. You can contact us. Uh, easiest way, go to our website, becomeafan.org. And, you know, our, all of our contact information is there. We'd love to have that conversation. That's really what we do is working one-on-one with producers to help you find a way to uh, incorporate livestock into your operation or something of value add um, that can bring you back to the farm. My conversation with AFAN Steve Martin during the Governor's Ag and Economic Summit that took place last week in Kearney. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. 
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. And John, we get out the WASDA report, fairly friendly, very bullish in terms of its number, really coming in below analyst expectations for corn and soybean production. As we come into the close, though, looks like we were well off of the highs. Anything to be concerned with, the fact that we saw the big rally and then gave some of it back into the close? Well, I mean, if you're balancing things out, on the bullish side, the report was, was there. It's what we wanted. We saw the, the numbers come down. I think you're going to see them continue to come down. I'm hearing talk in western Iowa that crop is walking backwards uh, quite a bit, actually, and you know that might lead to further route re- reductions down the road. Um, on the bearish side, what's up with SEP corn? Why is it? You know, we traded up into the price gap exactly almost, and we traded 89.5. I think the gap closed at 87, and then just, you know, walked away the rest of the trade completely fell apart into the close down 565 up nine on the day but certainly would like to see that perform a little better here uh you're seeing that widen out as well we're now six and a half under six and a quarter under the december so that's that's your bearish kind of outlook in corn that we're, we're seeing sales and, and some supply clear up here as well, we get out the numbers. Looks like global wheat production, Russia and Canada, both taking a big hit there. You highlighted that to your subscribers in your commentary on that. As we come out to it, does this buy more acres in the U.S. as we start to get closer to that planning time for winter wheat? I want you guys to go south and tell those guys in Kansas what they're going to do this year. Because I'm hearing a lot of folks, new, new, you know, these are old salts that are switching back and putting wheat under irrigation again. So that should be good for you guys up north with the corn. Um, I would imagine, uh, you know, there's probably going to see switching out east, but we need 5 million acres, in my opinion, to change, and, and as well as increased production next year out of the, the northern hemisphere crops. I don't know that, where that's going to come from. It's going to come from corn, I think, corn and cotton, because there's a lot of folks, I think, are going to plant a double crop. So that'll be a dynamic we can talk about down the road, though. For the short term, I think it's about, you know, what, what the, the buy side does to, to the prices here as far as exports go, and I really think it's about China and COVID. And I think, you know, the fear is that we're going to have a lockdown somewhere and the supply that's meant to go overseas is going to sit here. And I think that's maybe what's happening. It's just hard to describe why the market's so tight up front with the carryovers, yet September corn is just not, you know, it's just a dog at this point. So, um, you know, I'm optimistic here. We still see 6 bucks, but it might not be before delivery. That is John Payton, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. You can always learn more at their website, danielzagmarketing.com. Again, danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch John Payne again as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com.